Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Time and time again throughout the history of the United States, the one thing that has protected people against economic downturns has been an education that allows you to adapt into varying careers. So why not choose right now to go and build your toolbox at MSU Denver online? Uh, what are you going to be doing differently with your life come spring 2021? That is our suggestion because MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. And some of our very own staff members at DNVR are taking MSU Denver online classes this summer. Uh, Harrison Wind has said that the professors are incredibly engaged and extremely responsive to emails and questions and concerns. He says that so many of his professors actually are working in the field that they're taking your class in, which means that it's a great networking opportunity. And more than 80% of MSU Denver graduates are actually living in Denver and working in Denver, which means there's a very wide network of people that you can get to know. Um, he has so many other great things to say about his experience. Um, um, including about the relevant course content that doesn't feel like it's just kind of stringing you around, teaching you hypotheticals. It's stuff that you can actually convert into useful information for the real world. Uh, if you want more of his notes, you can reach out to him, um, Harrison Wind. You could also reach out to Ali Monroy, or you can go to the MSU Denver website at msudenver.com slash online and it will have all the information that you need about the 40 plus online and hybrid programs that can get you a degree or information on the 700 plus online or uh, hybrid classes that you can take on your way to a degree or just because you're interested in the material. Uh, again, that uh, address is msudenver.com slash online. All right. Welcome in to the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings. I'm Henry Chisholm, and we have uh, the entire crew here today, starting with hmm. Andre Simone. What's up, Andre? 
What up, Henry? Way to go making some sweet, sweet ad read magic right now. Love it. Psyched as always for this pod, favorite pod of the week. This is going to be an excellent podcast, so I'm glad we've got the whole crew with it. Pac-12 back, Mountain West back. Maction, I've yet to lose a bet on the Mac, so yeah, I'm feeling pretty good, Henry. What's up with you, wow. my friend? I've uh, I've not yet placed a bet on the Maction because I don't know <laughs> what is going to happen. Like I spend all my time like learning about the other parts of college football, and I guess it's time to start digging in there too. Uh, Jake, what's up with you? Oh, Jake uh, not I much. Haven't said your last name yet. There you go. <laughs> it's all good. Not much other than the fact that I did tail Andre on the Maction parlay last night. Let's go. Can one hundred percent vouch this man is a genius. Listen to him. Watch the NBR <laughs> bets every day. What a plug! <laughs> and the final member of the crew is Justin Michael, the CSU Rams beat reporter, who's here to talk about all sorts of stuff with us today. How's it going, guys? I. Uh... I have not had the same success on Mac betting that Andre has. In fact, I've had so little success that I questioned last night if I even want to continue sports betting because I was just like, man, (laughs) this parlay was so bad that the picks weren't even good individually. I I don't know what I was thinking, but I I needed to take a walk, to to say the least. (laughs) We've all been there, Justin. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) it was... I was there just Saturday having to tell myself, now remember, you're doing this because it's fun. You can't make something that you're doing because it's fun ruin your day and make you act like a grump around your family or else you're not going to do it. So uh, stern talks in the mirror we're all having to have with each other these days. You know, I mean, that tells you we're in football's in full swing and that's a beautiful thing. Um Let's kick off with a mock draft. We really have no time to waste because there's uh, tons of stuff to talk about. We're using, as always, the Draft Network's uh, simulator. They've got the Broncos drafting 14th overall. First pick is the easy one, so we're just going to get that out of the way. I mean, Joe Flacco was forced against his own will to throw the game Monday night so that the Jets could draft Trevor Lawrence. I mean, it's uh, it's locked in. So Trevor Lawrence to the Jets. The, the draft starts at pick number two for the Jaguars, though. Probably not really. Um, Jake, you're nodding your head. J- Justin Fields is a lock here. I'm pretty sure that's what it would be. I mean, I like Gardner much, as much as anyone else, but right. Justin Fields, come on. Yeah, I know. Totally. You like the the compliment of wide receivers. They've got the, they're the young O-line, not as bad as maybe some people might think. That's where you don't go Penny Sewell. Now it gets tricky because at pick number three, you have the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys in recent years have found something that works for them. And that's building a good offensive line and feeding Zeke. Yeah. They don't have a good offensive line right now, and they have Penny Sewell staring them in the face. As much as I'd like to say, like, okay, this is a situation where maybe you go quarterback, save the money on Dak. Mm-hmm. We now know that Dak is a very good quarterback, a very important piece of that offense, and everything falls apart without him. Run it back with Dak. I say grab Penny Sewell and start rebuilding that offensive line that is necessary to everything they do. <laughs> Agreement all around. There's no <laughs> take Zach Wilson backers here. We're all grinning, but I, I think Penny Sewell is probably the right yes. way to go. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Um, let's not complicate things too much. Now you have the Giants at four. Um, plenty of needs on defense. 
plenty-ish of needs on offense. The big question is Daniel Jones, uh, the turnover machine. Is it time to move on from him? And if so, what direction do you go in? Because you've got options between Trey Lance and Zach Wilson. And maybe, you know, Justin knows plenty about Mac Jones, who's probably the Heisman front runner. Kyle Trask has looked really good. Um, we'll have to get into him. There are options for the wacky giants and who knows if Gettleman will still be there to be making these decisions. This is a wide open pick. Um, so uh, start us off. Uh, where are you guys leaning on this, Jake? Any direction? Um, I, I look at Mika Parsons on the board there. Uh, mm-hmm. That's interesting. Uh, also, Patrick Sertain. Um, yeah, you got two edge rushers staring you in the face too. I mean, I think defense right. is the way to go here if you're not going to have a quarterback, which is the situation we have right here. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, I, I could make a strong case for getting Justin Fields a weapon, but with the depth at receiver and the fact that, like, they're just in a weird place offensively. It's like uh, I would love to see what Kyle Pitts could do there. But when you have Evan Ingram, I don't think you could justify that, especially with like the number four pick. So I do think it has to be defense. Yeah. Quarterback, I guess, if you want to go that route. An interesting conversation that the Broncos might be having, I know they have a tough schedule moving forward, is between a guy like Quiddy Pay, who I've compared more to a Bradley Chubb, uh, you know, or even Melvin Ingram as more of a stout boxy, less linear, more boxy edge rusher um, who's going to be physical against the run or Micah Parsons, who I'm a bit torn about. Uh, he stinks of Isaiah Simmons to me in that he checks off every box, but what does he really do? What can be his anchor as an NFL player, but he probably his best quality and selling point is he could be a really nice edge rusher who also has incredible range sideline to sideline or even, you know, backing up and coverage. And that would be more of the Von Miller playbook. Obviously not the phenom Von was turning the edge at AM, but Von, we remember, came in as a strong side linebacker in a four three. So he was asked to do plenty in coverage. Um, and that's where Micah Parsons would be intriguing. Uh, Justin, I see you nodding your head for the Giants and to a greater extent for the Broncos, if they were faced with this kind of decision, what would you go with? The more versatile mobile Parsons or that that ace in the hole rusher like Pay is? I'm, I'm inclined to lean towards Pay just because I think you're a little more sure in what you get out of him. I will say... I like Parsons a lot, and I think he's potentially going to be a steal for a team, you know, especially yeah. if he ends up sliding around that, you know, eight, nine range, mm-hmm. which I think could very well happen yes. for him. The big question for the Giants and for the Broncos, really, it's do you believe in your current quarterback situation? And I know everybody at DNVR seems to be pretty high on Drew Locke, and I'm one of those guys. At least I haven't sold my stock at this point in time yet, but it's one of those situations, you know, you have a, a decent sample size at this point, the Giants even more so with Daniel Jones. You know, are, are you confident that he can stop turning the ball over? Because, I mean, it's not like he turns the ball over a little bit. He turns the ball over at an unprecedented rate. And what concerns me even more than the interceptions are the fumbles, man. He yep. just he has no presence in the pocket whatsoever. And it's so weird because you'll see him at times just make these gorgeous plays, lead drives. And then other times it looks like he's never been under center in his life. So if, if I'm the Giants, I'm, I'm not big on Daniel Jones yet right now. I know yeah. that, you know, there, there have been those moments, but I don't know. If you're, if you're not going defense, I think you really got to consider 
you know, maybe a, a Mac Jones or a Zach Wilson there. I, I would lean Mac, but. I mean, I could see it. I could see both those guys rise up into the top five. I could absolutely 100% um, see that. I'm putting this up to a vote. I'm saying Gregory Russo, the linear edge from Miami, Parsons, or quarterback. And if quarterback, you need to give your vote on that quarterback. I will start this off. Out on pay? I he, <laughs> We'll put pay as an option. Fourth a little high. but That's all I'm saying. Pay's a little, and I... I wouldn't mind having him as a delayed conversation for the sake of the entertainment of this podcast. I will start it off. I'd rather not be the tiebreaker. I'm going to go Parsons. I I assume Gettleman's not there and they finally get a linebacker, something they haven't done since the Parcells days. Uh, Henry, who do you go? I remind you, Russo, Parsons, or a quarterback of your choice, and you need to give us that quarterback. I'll go Parsons as well. I think that this is a defense that has almost nothing going for it and you need to set an identity. And I think that you look at a guy like Micah Parsons and say, this can be the, the, the key part of our defense for the next 10 years and we'll build around it. Justin, you going Mac Jones? Yeah, I'm going Mac Jones. I'm just not a Dan. I'm not a. I'm not a Danny Dimes believer at this point. I, I think his issues are really tough to correct at this stage of his career. Yeah. You know, I, if 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 I'm wrong, I'll eat crow on it. But Too I just bad. don't see it. Jake, I'm going to go Micah Parsons. Just looking at the linebackers that are on the roster and the history of this team skipping on linebacker, I think it's time to finally get a presence in the middle of that defense again. Yeah, and I like the interior of that line. Jabril Pepper's starting to play better. You add a Micah Parsons, all of a sudden you're working with fire. Um, We've got another, our third team in the NFC East in the top five, the Washington football team. Here it's going to be hard not to go quarterback. Um, Offensive tackle, also an option for them. I mean, they've got needs all over in the back seven. Uh, You could even make a case for a wide receiver to pair next to uh, Terry McLaurin. So lots of options. Hank, uh, where are you leaning towards on the football team? Again, this is like another team that you look at what they have and you could easily make the case to go after one of the receivers, but I just don't think they're quite there yet. I still don't think you can justify it. You have to get by with what you have, unless, and this is the caveat, something like Dwayne Haskins gets back into the lineup, looks like what everybody wanted him to look like, and you're saying, okay, we're going to give this guy one more try, and then you go receiver. And, And I think that if that isn't what happens then you're replacing your quarterback. And so to me, it's between receiver and quarterback. And it depends on what you see from Dwayne Haskins. If you even see Dwayne Haskins for the rest of the season. And I think you got to go quarterback here. If you're the football team. So then Zach Wilson or uh, Justin's guy, Mac Jones or Trey Lance. We've forgotten about Trey Lance or Trey Lance. You're our FCS guy. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm not a Trey Lance believer. I, I think, I think that Zach Wilson is probably my favorite. I think that you could make a very strong case for Mac Jones. And I think that Justin probably will. (laughs) I love Wilson so much, man. And he's so exciting. But when I, when I watch Mac Jones, you, you see the anticipation, you see the throws, the NFL windows. And it's not that Wilson hasn't done that. It's just that if, if you're banking on somebody to do it consistently, 
I think you'd have to lean on Mac Jones. There's all, I mean, he might not be there at this point. You know, I, I said he could go to the giants. I, I'm not sure that that's actually going to happen. I think you guys all made a great point about the defense and I don't think they're probably quite ready to give up on Danny dimes, even if I am, right. but I don't know, man. I just, that's so high. And we've seen so many quarterbacks of that style that have come out of college football and just haven't lived up to it in the NFL. And I don't want to compare him to Manziel because I think he's a much smarter quarterback than Manziel yes. was even yep. at AM. Yep. But it's that same kind of risk, you know, is it going to translate? Yeah. And Jake, prior to this week, this is a fun conversation to have on a draft pod. After what Zach Wilson did against Boise, I don't think talking about him as a potential top five pick is far fetched anymore. Absolutely not. I definitely believe that he made himself interesting in the conversation for a top five, if not top 10 at the very least. Um, He's just so talented. The arm talent pops off the screen that it's hard to deny. The only question I have with this pick, if they were to take Zach Wilson, I just don't know if he is exactly a Dan Snyder type of quarterback. I don't know if they're willing to take that jump on this uh, I don't want to call Zach Wilson a project, but this is kind of what this is, right? I mean, you're mm-hmm. trying to f- find a guy that's going to mm-hmm. fit this Patrick Mahomes mold, basically, yep. which we don't really know too much about at this point. It's still kind of a, a I don't know, a shot in the dark, really. Um, I do think Zach Wilson would be the pick here if I was running yeah. this team. It's yep. just this team's going to be fascinating to watch. Uh, Ron Rivera is getting healthy, but where they go with quarterback. I mean, Alex Smith is on the roster, so you still have that yeah. dead cap hit to carry. Um, right. I just looked it up. Their salary cap situation does tend to lighten up as they kind of progress. So I think you are in position to take a quarterback here. Again, I just don't know if Zach Wilson or Trey Lance uh, at that point really fit this team. I'd say Mac Jones might be the guy in this situation if they do go quarterback. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wilson's younger than I thought he was at 21, to be honest. Yeah. And sometimes he plays kind of young too. Yes, to yes. me though, the reason why I would go Zach Wilson is because of the flashes. You know, we had the Drew Locke talk last week about how he can give you a whole bunch of like this bonus stuff that is really cool if it works. Like Mahomes-ish in some ways, obviously not nearly to that level, but the question with Drew is can he do all the easier things? I think that Zach Wilson's in a very similar place, but you, you look at just the way the ball comes out of his hand, you look at the arm angles and you see that this could be a truly, truly special player. And then you can look at the numbers too, which is something that we haven't done for Zach Wilson, but like five weeks ago, we were talking about the deep ball passing. Nothing has changed. Deep right, over 20 yards to the right, 11 of 19 on the season. Deep middle, outside 20 yards, six of nine. Deep left, nine of nine. He has not missed. He has 400 yards on those passes. Like the numbers back it up and sure the competition hasn't been great, but they, they stomped Boise State. That was yeah. that was embarrassing. And I think that if yeah. you're going for a quarterback, you got to go for somebody like Zach Wilson. But I, I totally agree. I'm not sure if that's what they'd do. Do you need to point out Boise State was missing quite a few players on their roster? Yeah. It wasn't a full-strength Boise yeah. State team. Nonetheless, not taking away anything that he did because most of Boise State's issues were on offense. And like you said, it, it wasn't even really competitive. He lit them up. There were points in that third quarter they were just going deep because it looked like it was fun. You know, just, well, whatever. Might as well do another play-action post for 60 yards. What's the yeah. Why not? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I really think boy or BYU has 
one of the very great offenses in all of college football right now. Like I, I think that They're playing really well. It's it's I don't know how you get them into the college football playoff, but I really wish you could find a way because I think their offense is as good as any. Yeah, totally. So I, I'm Team Wilson. I'm with you, Henry. So we've got two for Wilson. Uh, do we have a tie? And I <laughs> uh, on Mac Jones, or is our Jake, Jake, Justin, anyone going to break this tie and go with Zach Wilson here? I'll go Zach Wilson here just because of the talent. I could definitely see him in this spot. Whether it's this team, who knows? Right, right, and lots to figure out, um, especially with how Ron Rivera wields his power there. We have the Chargers at six. Um, They're doing a nice job, really a nice situation you'd want to be in as a team, promising quarterback, everything's ticking well, but you're still going to get a top six pick because you managed to lose games incredibly well. Uh, their biggest need is on the offensive line. Though they could use some help, certainly at quarterback, at cornerback rather. I'm sorry, and Patrick Sertain, Caleb Farley, Sean Wade, all available still. Or we could go with my guy, offensive tackle Christian Darisaw um, from Virginia Tech, who uh, keeps rising up boards and playing well. Um, no interest in a receiver at all. Yeah, the, there's value there. There's not there with Arch Chase still available. Uh, but Big Keenan Arm Allen, give him that Mike deep Williams. Jalen Waddle. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, the deep threat would be interesting. An upgrade on Guyton, right? That's kind of been their, their deep threat. He's playing well, but you give him Waddle instead. Hmm. Yeah. Go ahead, Henry. Yeah. I, I just wonder with Jamar Chase, like, how far do you let him fall before it's a situation where you just have to take him? You know, same same He's thing. Like, so good. Penny, Penny that's school, the thing. It's, he can play. He can't. Yeah. And and yeah. that's all assuming like the injury stuff checks out, and you don't have to worry about it. But I, I really think that you're starting to get into that range where it's like last year, the, the Cowboys didn't need a receiver. They were fine at receiver. But when CD Lamb is staring you in the face, they just felt like they had to take him. And I think we're getting into that range, um, especially now that we're past the point where the teams have a whole bunch of quarterback needs. Yeah, I can tell you the next pick at seven for Miami is probably as far as Jamar Chase drops. Yeah, um, yeah, and the, the the only alternative would be an offensive tackle because you or a cornerback because you're right. Um, Certain's good value yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, Certain is good value. Uh, probably the best lineup with value need is the Alabama cornerback who's been a stud uh, since the moment he stepped on campus. That's, I guess, ultimately where I would come around to. I see lots of heads um, nodding. So now seventh, the Miami Dolphins. This one, I don't think we do need to talk about too much. Wide receiver, great value. I think more chase than Waddle, simply because now Waddle has the injury and that uh, is going to knock Tua, though. You do have Tua, oh. and that's where Devontae Smith yeah. could be interesting. Um, yeah. What Ooh, that I think is. what it comes down here too is really if Tua ends up playing well and the organization is willing to fully back him, I could see them once this pick kind of rolls around, see them checking in with Tua and kind of picking his brain really on this pick. Yeah. And Devontae Smith is sitting there and yeah. that was his guy. So 
Yeah. If if I'm Most... a Dolphins fan, my dream scenario right here is, you know, with the board looking like this, you're happy with Jamar Chase, of course. You'd probably like to get one of the Bama guys, and you see that as, like, equal value despite Jamar being seen as the better prospect around the rest of the league. If, if I'm a Dolphins fan, I want to see the Dolphins trade down, see if they can pick up another first-round pick, see Love if you it. can do something crazy like Devontae Smith is still on the board swoop in grab him maybe you can grab like kyle pitts too and get like a two for one right here and just overload this offense <laughs> kyle pitts. wheeling and dealing i'm so Gusecki. stoked on the dolphins future i'm kind of oh. a bandwagon's dolphins fan right now to be honest and two is a big part of that and preston williams as well but man they're, sure. they're a team that's on the rise well we should mention they do have another first round pick at 21 this is the texans pick <laughs> Um, so, but it's dripping with bonus. I would say between Devonte Smith and Jamar chase, I think they go chase. Um, though it's going to be fun when chase is put under the spotlight and we start nitpicking him because I do think there are more holes in his game than all the hype may suggest, but that's where I'm leaning. Uh, Am I in the minority here? Do we have a 3-1 Devontae Smith? Okay, we're going with Jamar Chase. We're going to keep it moving. The Bengals now at pick number eight. Another team that could be interested in offensive tackle. They've uh, you know, had some unhappy veterans on that defensive line. That's a unit that needs to be renewed. Uh, but the theme of this season has been Burrow running for his life. Um and so my guy, Dareshaw, might be really intriguing. Left tackle, who I think could play right tackle, no problem. They could use a more versatile guy, which is where Alex Leatherwood, who keep, keeps being seen as maybe more of a guard than a pure tackle, um, the Alabama left tackle could also fit in. They've, of course, added Jonah Williams just two years ago, and he's their left tackle. So kind of recreate that Bama magic. Or my guy, Darashaw, rewatched him against Wake Forest this week. Carlos Basham, one of the best edge rushers in uh, the ACC, couldn't do a thing against Darashaw. He is phenomenal. Still not getting enough hype. Um and, you know, we could go edge rusher as well. Actually, Russo pay still available. Really nice value there. So, uh, Jake, Bengals, what do you think? Just looking at the board and the way it's lined up right here, um, I think you have to go edge just because, I mean, you traded away Dunlap. You kind of have a void there at that position. Offensive, you made the case for offensive tackle really intriguing, though. Um, just based on value, though, I would go edge in this is, instance. And go Russo over pay or go with the Michigan I think so. Kid. Although I have seen some buzz that Russo isn't exactly fit for this area. So, I mean, this that's going to be an interesting conversation as we move forward. But uh, that's for this I, instance, yeah. yeah. He feels like a very Bengalsy, like length and measurables kind of guy. Exactly. Um, jumps off the page. Justin Henry, should we move on? Um, any thoughts here? Any counter arguments? Uh, I, I like it. Pretty much covered it. Yeah, Perfect. I, I, I might lean offensive line, but I, I think you have to go to the trenches. Oh, I would like to see them add just like one more weapon, but that's probably like a maybe in the second round, Rondale Moore. Like later on, like right. I think that right here, it's, it's if it's me, I'm probably protecting Joe Burrow, but the other side in the trenches works too. Yeah. What do you guys think about Slater at Northwestern? 
he reminds me a lot of Isaiah Wynn coming out of Georgia a couple years ago. Um, moves really well as a left tackle, but probably some length limitations that'll force him inside. Interestingly enough, Wynn was drafted by the Patriots kind of as outside the box thinkers. They've stuck him. They've left him at left tackle. He hasn't been great this year in that spot. Um, but Slater's nice, man. Slater's nice. And on top of that, he's a Northwestern kid, so he's smart. Um, and you like you like that, you know. I could see them maybe taking a flyer on somebody like that if you are, you know, trying to protect the offensive line, given, you know, Sewell's not right. going to be there, obviously, at that point. I'm, I still think it's a little early. I think he's probably more like that 15 to 25 range, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's go. You're a Dolphins bandwagoner. I might be a Carolina bandwagoner. Their pick at number nine. I've got a bit of a mad scientist idea here, kids. Everything's working so well in this offense. Robbie Anderson's the deep threat. DJ Moore overqualified to be that number two wide receiver. Curtis Samuels is kind of that added uh, gadget tool on top of McCaffrey and Mike Davis has been an amazing backup. I think they're blocking. Well, the play calling has been amazing. What if you added Kyle Pitts to that offense? I knew that's where you were going. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought that's where you were going to. And that's, that would make you very versatile, man. That'd be very intriguing. Hmm. And you know, Greg Olson had a very good career there and kind of was the machine behind that offense during the cam years. If you get another guy like Pitts in there, it can kind of dominate the middle of the field, eat up those short yardage uh, situations and red zone situations, frankly. Uh, that'd be a home run pick. Yeah, yeah, good luck matching up with those guys. It, it just fits so well because you have so many awesome weapons on that offense, especially like I, I was talking about with the Bengals. Like I want to see them add just like a little bit more dynamic guy, like, like a John Ross who's actually like, you want him on the field. Like when AJ Green's gone, when Giovanni Bernard's gone, maybe splits that running back, whatever. You already have that with Christian McCaffrey. All they need is like a big tight end and you have one of the best big tight end prospects in a while right there. The only question is like, do you try to build the defense instead of overloading the offense? But right. Nah, uh, yeah, no, I'm kind of with, I mean, if Kyle Pitts is staring you in the face, I, I don't think you pass that up. I had a buddy of mine tell me, I think he's the best college tight end I've ever seen. Um, yeah, I agree. It's crazy, but yeah. I think I agree. Um, you know, I'm running through guy. Mark Andrews was really good at Oklahoma. Um, the Miami guys, Kellen Winslow Jr., Jeremy Shockey were really good. They weren't. Aaron Hernandez good. was pretty good. Aaron Hernandez was really good as more of an H back. But again, like. He wasn't dominating like this. He wasn't getting Heisman finalist hype. Um, they also had a lot more weapons on those Florida teams, though. Yes, yeah. they did. They sure did. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm having a hard time thinking of uh, of many guys even even to that tier in just a couple months of a season. It's it's wild, and I hope he I hope he's not too injured after that terrible hit against Georgia. Um, speaking of Georgia, pick number 10, the Atlanta Falcons. They just let go of Takaris McKinley. They certainly could need some edge rush help, though you wouldn't have been able to tell Sunday against the Broncos as they got constant pressure on Drew Locke. But this is a team that could be looking quarterback. Could they stay in the SEC country uh, and be intrigued by Mac Jones, who's, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll be playing in the Superdome soon enough. Real quick, who did we give to the Bengals? I missed that. 
Oh, I, I stuck with Russo. It was Russo. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, yes. I like the fit there with Mac Jones. I think he's fits in a similar vein as Matt Ryan. He's kind of that pure passer player. Um, we have kind of seen those guys flare uh, flame out in the league though recently. So it's yeah. really a gamble at this point. Uh, what do you think, Justin? I know he's your guy. Is he the fit here? I like his fit in Atlanta a hell of a lot better than I like his fit in, in some of those earlier spots, just given that you can put him in a spot where he's actually going to have some talent, somebody to throw to. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll be interesting. I, I do think, especially given, you know, being in Atlanta, he's going to have to be able to really read some tight zones and stuff because they're just going to sit on him all day. They expect you mm-hmm. to go to Julio. They expect you to go to Ridley. You know, can he be that guy that picks people apart? He's doing it right now, but... I will have to say, you know, even being a Bama guy, the, the SEC defensive level is not what it's been in years past. Nope. It's just people are putting points on the board like no other offense is dominating right now. And so I wonder, you know, is maybe some of that being inflated just given defenses mm-hmm. aren't that good right now? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Though you go back to that Michigan tape from a year ago, pretty stout defense in a much different situation, and he carved he them apart. up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. it was awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Him versus Pay is an interesting debate for sure. Uh, basically a coin toss for me um, that we're going to have to do a vote here. Justin, start us off. Mac Jones? I'm going pay just because I think Mac Jones is going to be off the board at that point already. But I do think Mac is the perfect fit in Atlanta. Henry? Uh, I think it's Mac Jones. Just uh, Jake? Yeah, Mac Jones for me. All right, Mac Jones. Love it. He is the next highest ranked quarterback on my board. He's a surpassed Trey Lance at this point, just by a smidge. Um, and I think the Falcons, you know, with those weapons, Hayden Hurst looking good as well, could do a lot worse. Okay, 11, the Detroit Lions. Um, interior line. Another team, maybe Trey Lance is a guy who you say, okay, we pick him up, groom him for a year, see where he's at. Uh, we got Satan on the board. Yeah, yeah. Still got Satan, still got Quiddy Pay, still got Caleb Farley. Um, you've I got some talent. Of- oh, no, Satan we, we gave to the Chargers in the end. Oh, yes. did we? That's my bad. Yeah. Um, I think the thing with this pick, though, is really going to be who's coaching and GMing at this point right. because I don't see the current regime making it to January, let alone April. Agreed. Yeah, and they're going to have some weird decisions to make. You know, I've... I don't know. Matt Ryan is going to be 36 when the draft happens. Like, they're ready no, to uh, move along. With, Stafford, you mean? Uh, no, or, uh, Matt Ryan. But then Stafford's, Stafford's yeah. like 32, meaning I think you could give him one more run, but I, I think that they're... If, if I'm a new GM walking in there... I'm saying we've seen this for 10 years. We haven't been able to make it work. And I honestly kind of like Trey Lance's fit there. Like of all the places he could go, that feels like a team that could embrace his style of play and, you know, really elevate everybody around him in a way that Matt Stafford just isn't dynamic enough to do. He doesn't have the, the, 
we don't need to go through all this. This I've yeah, no. thoughts about you. You happening. develop him. And the beauty is this is a situation where Lance makes sense because Lance is going to need like kind of a red shirt year in the NFL. He can't be thrown to the fire the way he would in other situations uh, that we've talked about. And that's why I think he's intriguing in Detroit. As you say, it, putting him in the black and blue, they play in a dome in Detroit. But when you need to go to Lambeau Field, when you need to go to Soldier Field in November, December, having a guy like Lance might be really nice for those Lions. Um, and, you know, they've they've got the the tight end and Hawkinson who would fit that kind of identity. They've got a nice like scat back and swift. They've got depth that wide receiver. I'm talking myself into it. Jake, Justin, do we have any strong oppositions? No, I think it's a it's a great spot for Lance to end up. He he just has to be somewhere where you know he's not going to be expected to play right away because he's not NFL ready. I I I like him. I like what he brings to the table, but especially given that he's not playing this fall, I just think that's going to be tough. You know, to to go from not playing for well over a year, yeah, into an NFL camp, it, it's just going to be a weird spot for him. That's Detroit makes a, a lot point. of sense. And I tell you, it might be seem seem like a reach four quarterbacks on the top 11 picks next two picks before the Broncos, two teams who are probably kind of upset in the Vikings and Patriots that they didn't get a swing at one of these quarterbacks might sound extra crazy, but even Kyle Trask might be in the conversations here. But anyways, Minnesota, I really see Miami trading down there. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but kind of what we were talking about earlier. Exactly. I, I could really see that. Totally. Uh, that yeah. would give a lot of value. Uh, Minnesota, on the other hand, I'm thinking back seven. I'm thinking uh, front seven. I'm thinking trenches on the offensive line. So my guy, Darisaw, Quiddy Pay, or Caleb Farley all make a good amount of sense. Um, I would lean pay here. I just think best player on the board. Yeah, I Agreed. think so too. Uh there's two tackles that are pretty intriguing or well, just the draft network has him here, but Darisaw would be interesting um, in this spot. I don't think Cosme is even in this conversation anymore. Crazy. But um, yeah, this team is just so weird. I feel like the past three years, every time I've gotten to their pick, I just have no idea what to do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they kind of feel the same because they just pick a corner almost every time. Yeah. So um, yeah, I don't, I'm don't want to pick Farley because I just don't want to continue that. I'll go with Darisaw. <laughs> I, I like Quiddy Pay here. I think that, you know, especially like losing Everson Griffin, I think that they really did invest a lot into their defensive line. And I think they wanted that to be like a, a big part of their identity over the course of the last few years, but just never quite worked out. Uh, well, I mean, I guess they definitely had moments, but now with the opening, I think that just replacing him with Quiddy Pay is what I would do especially with Jake's point that you don't just want to keep giving him cornerbacks. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. <laughs> um, Justin, you said you're down with pay. Best guy on the board. I'd, I'd be surprised if he's even there, to be honest at that point, yeah. just the way it worked out with this, it made sense, but yeah, and it pays there for Minnesota. Another of those teams where who knows who will be making these decisions. Cause I don't know if Zinn is uh, going to be there. Okay. 13 final pick before the Broncos. It's the Patriots. You could go tight end. You could go wide receiver. I don't see why you'd go any other direction given how uh, just depleted this offense is of weapons. I think it's too early for us to talk about Kyle Trask. So Freedmith, 
Waddle, Devontae Smith. I will tell you, Smith reeks of an amazing Patriots fit to me. Just 100% agree. Reeks of a guy that Belichick would love. Um, We've got Jake's vote. Henry, Justin. Yeah. I mean, I think that this is like a sneaky place for Trey Lance as well. You know, like if if they've gone through the season Mm -hmm. with Cam and they're like, okay, Yes. Obviously didn't work perfectly, but we think that if we build this identity, we can make it happen. I think there's like a world where that happens. He's off the board though. So I agree. You just have to give him a weapon. ETN maybe sneak. No, no, they're happy with what they do at running back. That'd be crazy. Um, Okay. Broncos at 14. My guy, Darisaw made it. Let's go. Um, The edge rushers did not, unfortunately. Um, yeah, and you still have Caleb Farley, Dylan Moses, uh, Jeremiah Owuso, Kamora, Sean Wade. Uh, you've got some options on the defensive back seven and the offensive line. So, yeah, this is one we can take a little longer to chat out here. I guess my first leaning would be Darius, regardless of if they resign Garrett Bowles or not. Yeah, that's the first domino I think that's going to take part in the Broncos draft process is do they retain Garrett Bowles? And then who's on the board at this point? Because tackles do tend to go usually before 14. I mean, you look at last year, what was it? Four tackles by the time the Bucks picked at 14. Yeah. So it's, it's a tough situation right here because there's obviously a lot of talent at wide receiver. Um, Cornerback is something I would look at here, though, with J.C. Horn and Caleb Fairley here. I think both those guys you have to kind of consider. Um, I mean, just after Sunday, the Broncos got abused when they had their top two corners out. Uh, yeah. If you had another guy that's worthy of first-round talent, I think that would really help out this team. Yeah, and I think um, Wade versus uh, Jeremiah Uso-Kamora would be a really interesting debate in who's the better nickel defender for this defense, um, which would be fun. Justin, how do you see this? Um, you don't get to talk Broncos too much. I'm really torn on this because I I came in kind of leaning going the uh, the Jeremiah Owuso I can't, I struggle with this last name I don't want to mess it up <laughs> Kimura Kimura um, JOK we need J-O-K. to really start doing that JOK JOK because I just I love what he brings you know as an as an edge rusher when they do try and send him yeah. obviously we just mentioned he he is an athletic guy you know he he played pretty well I thought in Clemson in pass coverage situations I thought he did was have a, a couple of missed tackles in, yes. in the open field, but Hey, yep. he's a big dude. He's trying to tackle a small back. That is going to happen every now and then. Yeah. I just like with what Jake said in the secondary and just watching him get eaten alive. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really, really tempted to go fairly here just because yeah. other than certain, he's probably my favorite cornerback in this draft class. And mm-hmm. I just, I think you need more consistency in that secondary, especially given you don't really know what's going to happen with Justin Simmons moving forward. Yeah, and I think yeah. that that's a great point that you don't know what's happening with Justin Simmons and you don't know what's happening with Von Miller either, which is kind of the elephant in the room that nobody's talking about. Well, some people are talking about it. I've just tried <laughs> not to think about it. But I mean, 
there are a bunch of moves that could be made. I think that if Garrett Bowles is gone, you just have to take the best tackle available. If you're able to bring him back, that opens possibilities. Then you can definitely still justify taking a tackle, especially if it's like a one-year deal or franchise tag, however that would happen. Um, but assuming he's back, I really, really like Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa. He's been one of my favorites throughout the season. I think he's so versatile. I think that that's the type of piece that the Broncos are missing. You know, I I think you could justify like a true inside linebacker. Uh, to me, I, I think the secondary with Ojemudi and Boye on the outside with Callahan in the slot, that's a good place to be. And I don't necessarily think that that's going to be the group that you're going to have in 2022. Two, but I think it can get you through 2021. And if you take a corner in the second round or the third round, you can get them up to the level that you need. And if you don't like it in practice, then next year in the first round, maybe you take one. Um, I, I would like a safety here. There aren't any safeties that are worth it. That's why JOK, like he just does so many things so well. 60 snaps this season on the defensive line, 112 lined up in the box, 179 at slot corner, 10 at outside corner. He took a snap as the free safety. He can do so many different things. I really think that he'd be a great weapon. They almost use him the way CU used Shadobe Awuzie, um, huh. who was 15, 20 pounds lighter, uh, but was really that like nickel guy up close to the line of scrimmage, almost at his best as a blitzer. I mean, he had some coverage snaps in that Clemson game against Amari Rogers, one of the most twitched up slot guys in college football. And really was smooth staying with him. Then as two of the plays of the game, I know you were tweeting about it, Jake. Um, he's just outstanding. Um, maybe a bit of a luxury pick, but oof. And I'll tell you on my board, it's Caleb Farley, 14, JOK, 15, Darisaw, 16. So they are neck and neck. Those three. Sean Wade is higher than all of them. Interesting. The draft networks board does not have them as even one of the top three cornerbacks anymore. He definitely hasn't impressed a ton in these first couple games at Ohio State without, you know, Okuda opposite him and, you know, all those studs that the Buckeyes have lost. But to me, his stock hasn't fallen off that much. Do I get how he's not seeming as special? Um, despite what my rankings say, I'm sticking Darisaw, but it sounds like we have two votes for Farley in Jake and Justin and JOK for Henry. Do I have that right? I think Henry yeah. talked me into it. I think I'm going to swing my vote from Farley to JOK. I, A swing of guys, vote! I would be thrilled <laughs> with, but Henry, Henry politicked well. He came in, he said what needed to be said, and he, and he flipped me at the last minute. That's well right. done. And, and I think uh, one more note, I really like a lot of the cornerbacks. I just don't really like them right here. Or it's like Sean Wade, yeah. Like Eric Stokes, yeah. Asante Samuel Jr. Paulson Adebo, I think right here, if you did take him, I think it'd be a reach. But sure. I think that in a couple of years, you could be like, oh, it turns out they knew more than everybody else. But when you can wait and get one of those guys, I think I just like that strategy better. Second round. Yeah, we Close took a... Out. We took a corner last time we did this, Andre. So I'm going to switch sides here and I'll go JOK as well, just to make it interesting. Um, although I, I'm really interested to see and dig into this guy's tape and just see if he's another Isaiah Simmons clone or if there's actually yep. a position for him. I think that was the biggest issue with Isaiah Simmons. Yes. No one could really nail down a position. And personally, I thought his best position he played was slot or like at a safety. He's yep. obviously not really built for that and has not played that in the NFL. 
JOK though, I think he's he showed more as a natural linebacker, so it could be the pick here. If you know, again, we got to go back and watch the tape, but I I do think he's very intriguing here. Yeah, he's almost got the body type of a Dion Jones, but he play, he's used more like a Chido Beowuse, a very very unique player, almost veering on being a luxury pick but I think he's so good that he actually is a really good pick and one of those unique Shaq Thompson, but a Baker type hybrid talents. Tyrell Matthew, well, kind of a bigger Tyrell Matthew, that kind of guy. All right. Thank you, fellas. Love doing that mock draft. Henry, let's take a break. We'll come back with some notes um, from this past week. A whole lot to talk about. Then we're going to hash out some running back rankings and preview the next week. Still lots to come. Awesome. Um, so we're doing this pretty cool thing at DNVR right now that we do about like once a year or so, which is a, uh, a competition to see which beat can get the most new subscribers to use their code. And so what you're going to do is you're going to go to the DNVR.com, click on the join tab and select the annual pass. And then when you check out, make sure you use the promo code buffs when Rams. you check out so so that you, so that, Don't so listen that I can win this competition <laughs> and I'm just going to keep talking and ignore Justin um actually you know what we should do we should both make a pitch Justin why should people choose the promo code rams instead of buffs People should choose Rams because they love an underdog nobody loves the privilege <laughs> and quite frankly Henry as a guy who didn't even go to see you and is trying to claim all this buffs glory over me mm. in a competition I won't stand for it. That's not his fault, people. I'm just using an unfair <laughs> argument to try and win. That's what we're doing. Use the code Rams. Support the underdog. Support Colorado. Support locals. That's what CSU is. See you, bunch of California kids. Henry doesn't need their help. See you undefeated. <laughs> just throw that out there. <laughs> Things are going great for the buffs. Now it's time to jump on the bandwagon. Jarek Broussard, you know, you know where he ranks right now? Second in the entire NCAA in rushing yards per game. Will he keep it up? We'll just have to wait and see. But uh, it's still early in the Pac-12 season. Doors wide open. They're winning. It's time to tune in. Um, but whatever code you choose, um, it has to be Buffs or Rams. We're not letting you go to Broncos. That's kind of, that's just not They fair. have enough advantage. If anything, exactly. support the college guys. Like, exactly. If, if you're not going to support CSU, support Hank. I appreciate that. I will not say the same thing. But if you use the code, you get a free T-shirt of your choice from the DMVR locker. Fuck him! I like. You can get get a free DMVR mask. You also get a free sticker pack. That's three free things from the DMVR locker when you buy an annual membership. And we will also like love you on top of that if you use our code. So that's like a fourth thing. Um, Don't miss this opportunity. Um, And also, don't just support us, but also support Breckenridge. Brewery. They make incredible beers. Um, let's fly through quickly. What was the last Breckenridge beer you drank and how much did you love it? Uh, Dre first. Yeah, I have um, some Avalanche left in the garage, so I've been enjoying that. <sighs> That's just, you know, such a nice flavor. Good beer to, to be drinking on a on a snowy, snowy couple days that we've had uh, staying at home with the fam watching some action nothing better nothing better <laughs> jake well i mean all i got my only option out here is the sampler box so uh strawberry sky i, well, I there's four others in there i don't know i had five of them so <laughs> uh justin can you name the five beers in the 15 can sampler strawberry sky stout um avalanche ale hot peak ipa i'm missing one 
What's the fifth? Vanilla Porter Jr. Vanilla, ah, vanilla. Also, no. I'm, not, I'm pretty sure is is this a nitro Irish stout or whatever in there? Might be I don't not. think so. Might be I don't it's been a while since I bought I the sampler. Remember. Well, you failed, Justin. So everybody should use that Buffs <laughs> promo code. And while you're checking out using that Buffs promo code, uh, drink yourself a nice big Breckenridge beer because they're really good and we really appreciate everything that they do for us. Oh, if you want to try some, some near you, use the beer locator on the Breckenridge Brewery website. It'll tell you like on a little map where you can go to try a Strawberry Sky or whatever you click on. It's a, it's a cool thing. I feel like we need to incorporate one of those into DMVR somehow, but I'm not sure how. We can end this though and get back to football. Sounds good. Um, yeah. So what's the plan for uh, now? Talk about last week. Yeah. Um, I mean, why not? Went a little longer than I thought. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, let's get into a little. Pac-12 talk since the Pac-12 was back. The Oregon offense looked really impressive. Their quarterback, Tyler So, the Arizona kid. I think it's actually. Oh, there you go. Uh, Redshirt sophomore. So he is draft eligible. He looked really good, Henry. Um, For that offense, missing a bunch of guys on defense. I was also impressed by their tight end, DJ Johnson. Um, But anyways, I would say Pac-12, probably the only real uh, contender for the playoffs is Oregon from what we saw week one. Um, And yeah, I'm just intrigued by what I saw and will be interested to tune in the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, USC may be a contender since they come back and win. If they go undefeated, they'll have a shot. Utah didn't play, but I think they could also make a run. I don't know if they get in without it. But in that same game, that Stanford-Oregon game, um, one guy who really stood out to me was Stanford's receiver, Simi Fihoko. He is... Uh, uh, here's what I think. I think that Chase Claypool... His success in the NFL is really going to open things up for a guy like Semi Fioco, who's just a straight up deep threat. He's 6'4, 230 pounds, runs 4'3. He was, I think, second in the entire country last year in uh, yards per catch at like 24. Against Oregon, he had three for 88, and he also uh, drew some pass interference calls. He looks like there might be something special. And remember, all of that was without the quarterback on the field, um, but he's probably probably one of my favorites in the Pac-12 so far. Yeah, aside from the two running backs on Stanford, uh, Fahoka was really the only guy that was able to produce for them. Um, I do want to – I obviously want to see more. I mean, it was the first game, but I am i don't know if he's more J.J. Arcega-Whiteside or Chase Claypool at this point. Right. So I'm interested to find out exactly who he is as we kind of move on with the Pac-12. <sighs> yeah. yeah. Um, and- I really – that that – Oregon quarterback. This is starting to really become the year of the quarterback. And you look ahead, Pac-12, it was nice having the Pac-12 back because it was like, oh, yeah, Daniel, Slovis, the Oregon kid, uh, you know, and then we've, we've talked about Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell. You start to see the 2022 draft class shape up at quarterback. It doesn't look anywhere as good as this draft class. Um, another big winner from the week is Kyle Trask, who... Look, he's not mobile. The arm talent isn't otherworldly, but boy, he makes it doing that against Georgia really has caught my attention. I'm caught in between a Philip Rivers without 
the weird throwing motion and Dak Prescott without the athleticism comp, um, which is a wild one. That is a <laughs> wide spectrum there that I'm covering with this Kyle Trask um, comp. But yeah, I, uh, I wonder if the, how do I pronounce the Oregon kid's name? Tyler Schuff. <laughs> I wonder if Shuff, you know, if this is the standard he's going to keep up, if Oregon has a top eight season, if he's forced to declare after a year and maybe he's in that conversation in the top 10 that we were just having with guys like Zach Wilson and Mac Jones. And what does that the trickle down effect that that has on the 2022 draft class is going to be? Um, really interesting staying with the quarterbacks. Um, and then you guys can give me some of your notes from the week too. I want to get into these running backs. I Malik Willis, Auburn transfer at Liberty, uh, Liberty only a couple years in the FBS. Now they are ranked 25th. They had a crazy upset of Virginia tech. Hugh freeze is their coach. The former, uh, disgraced Ole Miss coach, uh, Justin's <laughs> rightfully giving a thumb down. But anyways, this Willis kid is playing unbelievably well. Um, Keep an eye on him because as far as backups go or intriguing prospects outside of the top five guys, he's one we really want to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, he was a ton of fun to watch. You know, we talked a lot about Malik Cunningham uh, when the season started, you know, and his skill set comparing that to Lamar Jackson. This guy, I think, played a lot more like Lamar. He has noticeable burst. He has a strong arm. Uh, again, I, he's not even close to Lamar. I, I want to make that clear, but he's probably the quarterback that reminded me of him the most to this point. He does have a lot to work on, though. He had four fumbles um, in this mm. game. Two of them yeah. were lost. So ball security is it needs to be emphasized more with him. But, uh, yeah, he made a beautiful throw, I think, early in the game. Moving to his right, threw it to, like, the two-yard line from the midfield. It was just beautiful. This guy's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, yeah, Liberty's first game is a ranked opponent, and they beat Virginia Tech in Virginia Tech. Very impressive. Yeah. Yeah, ball flies off his hand. Very athletic. Kind of reminds me of P.J. Walker, the MVP of the AAF, who the Broncos even tried to sign, ends up going to the Carolina Panthers as Teddy Bridgewater's backup. He'll be a very intriguing prospect there. Um, okay, guys, I uh, I want to talk some playoffs. I want to talk throw one some more running name backs. Out there? Yeah, go ahead. Just because the Buffs play uh, Stanford this week, and I've spent a lot of time watching Stanford, their center, Drew Dahlman, is yes. for real. First team all pack 12 preseason. He's going to be right up there with the first times off the board. Actually, so in week one, again, this is against Oregon, one of the best defenses in the pack 12. At least it's one game. We don't know for sure, but that's what we expect. Yeah. Um, when running next to the center, running through the A gaps, Stanford did that 14 times last week, averaged 10.7 yards per carry. He wow. is just moving guys around up there and uh, deserves some credit for that. Stanford center, very smart player. I mean, you could see his head moving around a lot. So he's a guy I think that will really improve his stock as we move along. Okay, guys, um, playoffs or running backs, which direction would we, should we start in? Playoffs. Talk about playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that settles it. <laughs> yeah, Justin, uh, Notre Dame throws a complete wrench in any easy playoff seating plans and then 
Florida in eliminating Georgia from any playoff contention really complicates things because now we have a scenario where Alabama and Florida could play each other in the SEC title game. The Gators could come out as winners, and then you would have a one-loss A&M team who lost to Alabama and beat Florida sitting out there saying, hey, what about us? Um, on top of, you know, Clemson, who now might have been, you know, there's there's a whole lot of stuff. Uh, who would be your top four playoff teams right now? And how scared, if you were a member of the committee, would you be um, about this A&M situation? I'll start, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. I think the the tough part right now is how much do you penalize Clemson losing without Trevor Lawrence to a team that is most definitely one of also the top four teams in the country. Yep. So for for me, I, I don't see a situation where Clemson at this point would, would get penalized for that. So for me, you got to go uh, Alabama one, Notre Dame two, Ohio State three, Clemson four, and, and I think the big debate really is, you know, kind of what you do with two, three is Notre Dame two, or are they three? How do you compare them against Ohio state? To me, they get the jump just because they got that win over the number one team in the country. I think you could even really make an argument for Notre Dame to be number one at this point, yeah. but I think them firmly at number two, what do you think, Hank? Yeah. I, I honestly think that the playoff is kind of already set. You know, I think the order is still to be determined, but I think it's Bama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Clemson. I think that Notre Dame winning that game against Clemson, that gets them in. I think that that's where we are, especially this late in the season. You know, if something crazy happens and there are some upsets, then I guess that would change things. But I think Clemson wins out. I think Ohio State wins out, Notre Dame, Bama, um, and and that'll be enough to get all four in um in terms of the order though i'd agree that bama's won um just because they've been up there more than anything and they just haven't screwed it up i think that there's there's so many little things that you could point out with notre dame it's like okay yeah you got your your marquee win it's probably the best win of any of these teams but Clemson was without oh, yeah. their quarterback. You know, I think Clemson with a loss is easy to put at the bottom. Ohio State, having only played three games, I think that that means that they slot in between the teams that are undefeated but have played more games. And and between on the other side, Clemson, a team that's really good but has lost a game. Yeah, really interesting thing here, I think, that we have going on because I do think the current top four are the four best teams in the country. However, I don't think they all stay in the top four. Uh, It's very well possible that Notre Dame and Clemson play each other again because that's how the ACC is doing the championship game this year. So, And at that point, Trevor Lawrence will be back. So it will be interesting to see in that game if Notre Dame is able to hang around. I think if they're just able to hang around and they lose maybe by seven to ten points at the worst, that they can still keep a top four spot. But if they get blown up uh, in the rematch against Clemson, It'd be really tough Mm -hmm. to keep him in that top four, especially if Trevor Lawrence is back. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just looking below the top four, we're we're getting into a slippery slope situation here Mm -hmm. because A&M, they already lost to Alabama. So as long as Alabama wins out, they're in the SEC title game. Uh, So they need a slip up from Alabama. Florida probably going to play Bama in the SEC championship Mm -hmm. game. We'll see how much they can push. But after that, I mean, you got two G5 teams. You got Cincinnati and BYU or an independent, I guess. So that makes it really interesting. Uh, 
man, I I just, I think it's going to be almost a nightmare scenario because I, I think these are the top four teams. I just don't see all four of them staying in the top four this long. (laughs) Well, two of them will play each other. So yes, if Alabama runs the table, they're in no questions asked. If Ohio State runs the table, they're in no questions asked. If Notre Dame runs the table, they're in no questions asked. That also applies to Florida, though. And if Florida runs the table, (laughs) um, then Alabama with one loss probably gets in. This also applies to Clemson. If Clemson runs the table, they're in. And then Notre Dame could be out, as you just described, Jake, with one of those G5 teams, with an undefeated Oregon, or with a one-loss Texas A&M who has Florida um, on their resume as a win. It could really be crazy this year. It's going to be fun to watch Notre Dame against North Carolina. Um that's the one remaining tough opponent uh, in the regular season. North Carolina team that's important for us because they're running back and you've highlighted him from like the second week of the season, Jake. You're even wearing the baby blue uh, sweatshirt. Um, Williams just keeps rising up boards. And I want, you know, how do we rank these running backs now? Because you got the Williams kid. Najee Harris is looking great. I was big on Kalen Hill. He obviously hasn't played forever. Uh, And Travis Etienne is kind of looking like a God. Um, Yeah. Rank these kids uh, for us. I I know you, you guys did some prep. So to those who did prep, I leave the floor. I'll I'll start it off real quick. So I did this, the top three, I think, are pretty solidified for me. So I have Najee Harris, number one, uh, ETN, number two. Those guys you can pretty much interchange at one and two. It's going to be a toss-up. What flavor do you like? Number three, I've got Kylan Hill. Um, even though he isn't going to be playing the rest of the year, I think he's shown enough at this point that I think we can all agree he's a top five back. And then at four, I've got my guy, Javante Williams. You know, they got Michael Carter there, too. I think Javante Williams is more complete. He breaks a lot more tackles than Michael Carter. When you watch North Carolina, Javante Williams does not get tackled by the first guy, whereas Michael Carter gets tackled by the first guy quite often. Mm -hmm. Um, And then number five, I didn't really know who else to put, so I stuck in uh, Khalil Herbert, the guy from Virginia Tech that I've had a lot of fun watching. That is a good one. Uh, Herbert, a bit of an upset. Didn't see that one coming. Justin, how, uh, how do you see this running back class? Definitely agree with Jake in the sense that it's it's Etienne and Harris and then everybody else. Those are the top two guys by a, a decent margin, in my opinion. I I like Kylan Hill. I think him, and even though he hasn't had a great year, I still do love Chubba Hubbard. I, I don't think he's going to yeah. end up going very high when it's all said and done just because of the, the lack of production this year. Um, but I, I'm intrigued to see you know where a guy like Kenny Gainwell at Memphis ends up yeah. falling. He opted out this year. Uh, Zamir White at Georgia runs hard. He's more of like a traditional running back. I don't think he's necessarily all that sexy, but I think he's just going to like, you know what you're getting in him. And and sometimes that's all you're looking for a guy that can move the chains. One of the guys I'm really high on uh, along with Javante Williams, who I also really like a lot. uh, My fifth running back is actually Max Borgie at Washington state. Mm. And that's going to be much higher than to see him on basically any draft board. I understand that. Um, But he, He's McCaffrey-esque in the way that he he plays, just not not quite as explosive as Christian McCaffrey was at Stanford, but just an incredibly versatile dude. And, and with what he brings as a pass catcher, 
I think that's really going to catch the eye of a team down the stretch. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, and I mean, we're going to have to see what happens with uh, Journey Brown's injury. I like that you guys mentioned Gainwell. CJ Verdell would be another name in that mix, right, Henry? Yeah, he's really good. I, I, I think after listening to what everybody else had to say, the, the one point that I feel like I want to make is that Kylan Hill to me belongs in that top tier. I think that you look through his whole body of work throughout his career, um, eight 100 yard games and four non 100 yard games in the sec last season, um, put up 1350 on 5.7 yards per carry. But the big question was, could he catch the football? And then boom, the, the first game of the season, catches eight balls for 158 yards and a touchdown like uh, that was the day where all of a sudden everything started to shift into like is he an Alvin Kamara type and I honestly think that he is I think that that is pretty close to his best comp especially when you look at them physically um, both about the same size you have to see how they run and all that stuff but I think that Kylan Hill as a receiving back I mean then two weeks later he caught 15 balls in the game that he got hurt and then that didn't offense. play again. And so I really think that he is going to be something special at the next level and uh, could be uh, the type of late riser that maybe like a Clyde Edwards Hilaire was last year. Yep. No, I think you guys make a good point. I think it's a clear top two with ATN eking it out at the top. Um, then Najee, then Hills right there with Chuba for me. And, uh, you know, Williams is going to make that fifth spot. Uh, Mac Brown, Mac Brown at UNC, getting that talent back. All right, Hank, we've got a week to preview and then we got to get out of here. So, uh, another break to take. Uh, we do have another break to take. Um, and we get to talk about something that I think everybody here really loves, and that's betting on sports. This Sunday will truly be a Sunday like no other with this weekend's major golf tournament, along with both professional and collegiate football. There will be no shortage of action. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, wants to put you in the center of the action with so many different ways to make it rain. If you haven't tried the app yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. To celebrate Sunday's action, DraftKings is ensuring all new users are covered up to $100. That's right. You bet they cover with risk-free Sunday betting on all of Sunday's action. This weekend, there's plenty of action to get in on, so head to the app now to start making it rain. On top of those great sign-up offers, DraftKings will have special promotions and odds boosts every day of this year's tournament in Augusta, Georgia. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get this can't miss offer DraftKings Sportsbook is ensuring your Sunday bets up to $100. That's right. You bet and they cover up to $100 when you use promo code DNVR during sign up for a limited time. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Risk-free coverage paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522- 
4700 also want to give a shout out to our friends over at strava craft coffee if you guys want to try strava craft you can come down to the dnvr bar and pick up a strava craft cold brew they're really good it's a great way to get into cbd infused products which is what strava craft coffee is it's non-psychoactive but it does have the beneficial qualities that come with cbd um, helping with anxiety helping with body aches and pains headaches whatever check it out and if you guys want to uh, subscribe, you can save 20% off every order, getting your coffee shipped to you every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks. It'll get 20% off every single time any product you subscribe to, whether it's K-Cups, whether it's uh, grounds, beans. There's so many different ways to try it. Make sure you check that out. And there's also an incredible deal just for existing DNVR members. There's so many perks to becoming a member. Uh, Tuesday, the 10th, which was yesterday, through next Monday, the 16th at midnight, all DNVR members will receive... 30% off their purchases at Strava. If you've taken advantage of the 20% off in the past, you can now enjoy this awesome 30% off coupon. If you're a member, you should have received your email with details on how to retrieve your 30% off Strava code. Tis the season of giving as well. This is a great opportunity to send a friend going through a hard time or a family member you haven't seen forever a great little gift. My personal favorite is the toasted marshmallow, but they have milk chocolate, black cherry, brown sugar, mandarin orange, etc. There's so many flavors, different milligrams per amount of cbd there's something for everyone if you are not a member yet strava still offers 20 percent off to all dmvr family using code dmvr20 at checkout if you become a member this week during our member contest reach out to help at thedmvr.com to get your strava coupon code beautiful nicely done thank you all right Lots to preview. First game that jumps out to me this Saturday is Miami at Virginia Tech. If nothing else, because my guy Dare saw it's going to be tested by Jalen Phillips, former number one recruit in the country, transferred from UCLA, playing pretty good for the Canes. And Quincy Roche transferred from Temple, playing really well. Um, you know, different sizes, different kind of edges. It'll be a really nice test for Dare saw Vatek amazingly a two and a half point favorite. Is there an injury I'm missing here? Uh, Khalil Herbert last week pulled his hamstring on the opening kickoff, returning it for Virginia tech. So he didn't even get to play against Liberty. Um, Don't know if he'll be able to play. I don't that that Virginia tech's favored. So I don't know what the heck is going on here. Derek King's playing. Yeah. That's dude. I already have money on Miami. I'll say that. Same. Do you? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh boy. This I got uh, it at two and a half. This is concerning to the point I will have to hedge towards Virginia Tech just to be safe with my money. But yes, I love Miami here. Love, love Miami. Um. Wow. Wow. That yeah. is surprising. Okay. ESPN says there's like thirty-seven percent chance Miami wins, and I don't understand. Hmm. No, yeah. L- Liberty with Malik Willis just gave Virginia Tech all sorts of problems. <laughs> Derek King's a better thrower of the football, yes. if not as good mobile. Miami has a better defense than Liberty. Yes. What is happening here? It is. T- it's tough to win at Virginia Tech. And so I think some of that is maybe just banking on they don't lose at home back-to-back weeks. But even yeah, but, so, I, I, I mean, love, with, I with love no Miami crowd... Yeah, yeah, and that's, I mean, that's another great yeah. point. It's it's not going to be the traditional home field advantage. 
Oh, I am shook. Miami four and three against the spread. Virginia Tech three and four. There's nothing there. I mean, as long as Derek King is still playing, I I think I'm blown away. Good. (laughs) Yeah. Um. That's wow. That's outstanding. It's not the greatest week because we have all all these postponements um, and cancellations. Uh, So, oh right. So I don't know Notre Dame at Boston College. You've got some good old line talent there. Boston College has been very frisky. Are they frisky enough to cover the thirteen here, uh, Jake? You're nodding your head. I do like Boston College here. Also, Drakovic going back up against Notre Dame, the team that originally recruited him, um, and he's been playing awesomely. Although Ian Book just had the game of his life on a Ian Saturday. Book Ian Book thirteen and a half though. Yep, kind of nice, kind of nice. And NBC too. Or mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and letdown game, right? Classic mm-hmm. letdown game. Everyone knows about a letdown game. Justin, yeah. you're not in with us. You're on BC plus thirteen and a half. BC's played everybody hard this whole season. There, there They're hasn't great. been a game which they haven't been in. So. I will say 13 and a half. It's right on that edge of mm-hmm. what would make me feel comfortable mm-hmm. because it's one of those where, you know, they're up by one score. All they have to do is put a score, a second half touchdown. You cover the spread. That's happened to me so many freaking times in the Mac this year. <laughs> that it makes me want to snap. But the thing is, I just, I, I had, even in a letdown game, I think the talent disparity is going to be just a little bit too much. I, I see a situation where Boston College kind of hangs around, mm-hmm. probably ends up losing, you know, by two scores late, maybe even three scores. But I do think mm-hmm. it'll be an entertaining game. Okay. Henry, where are you leaning on this line? I'll, I'll, I'll trust you guys on it. <laughs> nice. This nice. Are, these aren't teams I've seen a whole lot of, which probably means it's time for me to go watch it. But uh, here's a game that I'm really excited about. And that's a Wisconsin, Michigan, especially yeah. because Wisconsin's only favored by four and a half points. And I think that that looks like, I mean, maybe not free money, but based on what we've seen from Michigan this year and what we've seen from Wisconsin before they went into the, the COVID troubles that they had, I mean, Wisconsin mm-hmm. in that first game looked incredible. They beat Illinois yes. 45 to seven. Uh, Graham Mertz, the, the freshman quarterback who was incredible, he is still in COVID protocol, and that's probably why the lines mm-hmm. are tight. But based on when all this started and what we heard at the time, it seems like he should be coming out of it pretty quickly, and I would be surprised if he doesn't play based on the yeah, just the yeah Michigan's COVID. just bad, but we're still gonna watch Michigan because they've got all that talent on the on the in the trenches, really. That's where the NFL talent lies on this team. So um yeah, I'm kind of with you. Uh Wisconsin's sneaky there. Do for a dumb Harbaugh win at some point though. We I mean <laughs> I I the dude is Sage I mean, advice. I just don't he he finds a way to win one game every year that kind of barely keeps him floating. He loses all the important ones, but I, maybe I, that was just Minnesota. wouldn't shock me if, if yeah, he came was out and they won this one. Yeah. Here's the yeah. thing, though: Michigan secondary is terrible. So bad. So if Mertz plays this, I don't think this will be close at all. Yeah. And I mean, Michigan, on the other hand, we thought they figured some things out on offense. Nope. Um, also, no. Jalen Mayfield, I'm so out on him. He, he, He's a right he tackle. Get, he got hurt two weeks ago, though. I'm, don't sell all your stock yet. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. Um, um, he's he's just he, he reminds me of Rob Haverstein, and I thought he might be Alabama's right tackle from a year ago, and he isn't. So I'm just like. I'm just changing expectations. Uh, as much as I like hate Cosme, for example, I'd take Cosme ahead of him. Um, let's get into some Pac-12 and Mount West before we get out here. Uh, Henry, how are the Buffs going to do and any other lines that appeal to you on this Saturday slate? For example, Utah only being favored by three and a half, four points to the UCLA Bruins seems like free money to me. Yeah. Um, I'll start with Colorado since that was the first question. Um, Stanford favored by six and a half points at home. I, I think that, you know, last week I was very confident in Colorado. Um, and I was all over the Slack channel talking about what was going to happen. This week's a little bit tougher to gauge. Um, we saw a lot of good things from Colorado and a lot of things that seem like they should be replicable, replicable against Stanford. Um, but the big question is what's going to happen with Davis Mills, who lit, missed last week, uh, the, the starting quarterback. He was the number one pro-style quarterback in his class, was supposed to kind of come into his own this year, um, but had COVID. He's still in COVID protocol, but also could come out. Um, if they don't have their quarterback, if Stanford doesn't have their quarterback, I, I think that it should be a bet on Colorado plus six and a half points. Um, you just look at the Stanford secondary. It's struggling without Paulson Adebo. Um, there's yeah. Ethan Bonner, that cornerback who had his first career start in Adebo's place last week. Um, he gave up catches every time he was thrown at, except for the two times he was called for pass interference. Like this team isn't quite fit together. I like Colorado there. And then with Utah, um, they, they lose a lot of players and they are, they didn't play last week. Um, I think, I think they lost, it might be nine defensive starters um, from last year's team. They're replacing all of them, lose their quarterback, lose their running back, Zach Moss. Mm -hmm. This is a a total unknown. Um, Brant Keithy though, the tight end is worth paying attention to. He's one of the best tight ends in the country Mm -hmm. and they're going to need him. So I I still, I, I like Utah minus three and a half on the road against UCLA, but that isn't the free money that it looks like it is after seeing last year. Right. Right. Okay. Same question to you, Justin. Uh, We've got the Rams taking on Boise and depending on what version of Boise we get, the Rams might just have a chance on Thursday. And then any other uh, juicy matchups that have you intrigued here in the Mountain West? Yeah, the the CSU Boise State game definitely going to be a big prove it game for the Rams. Obviously, coming off of a, a nice you know upset of Wyoming at home, I will say you know CSU forced some some turnovers early in that game, and it completely changed the dynamic. It was one of the big factors that I talked about going in. Something that they had to do, mm-hmm. they did that. Can they do that again on the road at Boise State against a much more complete offense? We'll kind of have to see. They're fourteen and a half point dogs in it. That line scares me a little bit because I could just see this game going so many different ways. It's, you know, you don't know if it's going to be Bachmeyer. So you don't know, you know, is it going to be that lethal passing Boise offense that puts up 50 points on the board? Is it going to be more of a struggle like it was against BYU? But even so, that 14 and a half scares me. I kind of like the over at 62 points. Mm. I, I, I do see a situation where both teams could score. Uh, one of the games that really intrigues me, though, in the Mountain West is actually Nevada, New Mexico. And that mm-hmm. is just because. 
I think New Mexico is, is probably going to be the most underrated team in the Mountain West this year. Um, they, they brought in a completely new staff. They got Gonzalez over from ASU. They, they brought back Rocky Long, who's now their defensive coordinator, right. had a ton of success as the SDSU head coach. They're just playing a lot harder. You know, it, they, they look like a competent football program for the first time in, in quite a while. They're 17 and a half point dogs against Nevada here. I really do like Carson Strong, and, and I think Nevada is going to put some points on the board. I just mm-hmm. think the Rocky Long defense keeps it a lot closer. I really like New Mexico at covering that 17 and a half point spread. Love that. Love that. Love that. How crazy was it Utah State fired Gary Anderson? Um, the I, You talking there, about Rocky Long. <laughs> Boy, the the fall of Gary Anderson from being that one year at Wisconsin looks so great, dips out to be back on the West Coast. Oregon State seems like they got a steal. <laughs> fired from there, now fired from Utah State. Rapid, rapid fall. Um, college football comes at you fast, kids. Yeah. As did this podcast that flew Can by. I have one yes, more note? yeah, uh, please. USC minus fourteen against Arizona. That's going to be a bloodbath. Um, if you want to see like why Keaton Slovis is going to be Heisman hyped up again next year, like why Amon Ross St. Brown's probably like a top 10 receiver, I, I think that this is going to be like a 500-yard passing game for USC, and they're just going to destroy Arizona. So put some money there too. Love that, love that, love that. Okay, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Um, hope you guys did too. We will be back next week as always. Until then, enjoy some college football. Enjoy some prospects. Send us some questions. We'll be back next week.